there's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare what does every grocery store aisle now have in common products that come in paper packaging and we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons from beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go papertarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. The 2021 MLB season is here, and although the seats may not be full, your bankroll has the chance to be. Greg Hoops Peterson has you covered for every game, every day this season, along with comprehensive analysis and angles for getting to the window while celebrating the walk-off winners and blown saves of what will be a wild season. Now it is time for the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson. A warm and friendly hello. Welcome to lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Craig Peterson. We've got a tremendous show for you as we're going to be joined in the second segment by Jason Reidowitz. Doing terrific work out there with Sportsbook Review. We're going to be talking to him about how pitching plays so much of a role when it comes to his handicapping. No question, it always does. But he's got a very unique view on it. He's going to be talking about just how to take a look at righty-lefty splits as well. He's going to be talking about what all goes into his process with that. And then we're going to be talking about some of the games that are going to be coming up on Tuesdays. He's going to especially talk about looking at pitching when it comes to underdogs as well. So, going to have a great chat there. And then in the final segment, Going to give you guys a sign total on every game on the betting board for this Tuesday. And a little something I like to call touch them all. First things first, always love to be able to answer Twitter questions on this podcast. You've got one of two ways to be able to fire those in. First way is via my Twitter timeline, at JRS41. Keep in mind the letters DM, they mean does not matter. So do not fire those in by a direct message, but... 
Always happy to give you a response if you send them in via the timeline. And then you're also able to send these in via an Apple Podcast review. I know that many of you guys have asked what the best way to be able to help out this podcast is. Lend some support. Well, if you rate this podcast five stars, that certainly does help. And if you listen and download every day like you're doing right now, you've done your part. And that is very much appreciated. And then if you do send in a five-star review, you're able to send your questions, comments, segment ideas, what have you, into there. Did not wind up getting in any Twitter questions today, but we did have... Even though it was a short slate of baseball on Monday, some interesting results. So let's take a look back and try to find some trends and try to get to know these teams a little bit better. A games from yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the rowdy recap. We wound up seeing one game go over the total out of the five that we wound up seeing on Monday. We did have a rained out game between the Padres and the Rockies as well, but... It was the Cincinnati Reds who pretty much siphoned runs from the rest of the league on Monday. 14-1, to they take down the Pittsburgh Pirates. Tyler Molly, a great start in this one, gives up one run over the course of five and a third innings. Going deep for the Pittsburgh Pirates, Jacob Stallings, the second home run of the season, but you wound up getting some good bullpen pitching. You had Ethan Embry give you an inning alongside Romano, and Mir Gare gives you five outs, but... For the Cincinnati Reds, Eugenio Suarez, who's not having the best year of being able to get on base. His sixth home run the campaign that comes off of Mitch Keller and Taylor Naquin, who's been able to bust out this year. He goes deep off of Mr. Oviedo, Luis Oviedo, for his eighth home run of the season. And for Oviedo, he gives out four runs over the course of two innings. Jeff Hartley, he was pressed into some long relief. He gives up three runs in two innings. And for Mitch Keller, just a terrible start for him. Seven runs given up in three and a third innings. Wayne Underwood Jr. was able to give you five outs, but... For the Pittsburgh Pirates, after what was a relatively rock-solid start to the year, it has been really coming back for them. They have now lost four out of their last five, so certainly things look to be not so rosy for them. And for the Reds, they were reaching right around 2.8, 2.9 runs per game on the road to 6.9 at home. This will balance out the splits a little bit. The Giants' home and road splits are a little bit unique as well in that the pitching has been tremendous at home. And that continued on Monday. 3-1, to they take down the Walker, Texas Rangers. Kyle Gibson, a good start here for the Rangers. Gives up one run over the course of six innings. That one run... A solo home run off the bat of Brandon Belt, his eighth home run of the season. But then from there, John King comes into the game. He gets to us, but he gives up two runs, one of which was earned, hurt by a pair of errors out there in the field. But Brett Martin was able to close out that seventh inning. Josh Orbitz give you a scoreless inning, but for the Rangers, a team that has actually been better at being able to score runs on the road rather than at home. Well, when you play in the ballpark that is San Francisco, it's a little bit tougher. And for Alex Wood, he has been able to find a home in San Francisco. One run given up over the course of seven innings. Now it's a buck 80 ERA. And then from there, Jake McGee along with Tyler Rogers were both able to give you a scoreless inning to be able to hold down the four. The... Miami Marlins were unable to hold it down on the road against the Arizona Diamondbacks. 5-2 the final. What wound up being a bullpen game for the Miami Marlins. Jordan Allway winds up giving the team three and two-thirds innings. Gives up four runs, three of which were earned. Actually, was very solid coming into this one because that raises ERA to a buck ninety-eight. From there, Ross Sadler gives up a run while being able to get four outs, and then you wind up getting Adam Simber along Luis Madero to give you three scoreless innings. But for the Miami Marlins, things have been tough for this team offensively. One of nine with runners in scoring position. Meanwhile, for the Arizona Diamondbacks, they go three and sixteen with men in scoring position. So. They weren't necessarily lighting it up with that regard, but Luke Weaver, after a really rough start to the year, he lowers his ERA to five. Six and a third scoreless innings. Joaquin Soria out of the bullpen. He does give up two runs, but Taylor Clark, he was able to give you a pair of outs, and then Stefan Kiktron was able to give you a save in the ninth inning. The Angels were the biggest underdog to be able to cash on Monday as they wind up taking down the Eastern Astros by a count of five to four. For the Astros, they wind up getting out to a nice 3-0 to zero lead and were up by a count of 4-1 going into the 6th, but the Angels wind up striking for 
four in that sixth inning as they got a pair of home runs. Jared Walsh, Justin Upton, both get their seventh home run of the season. Those come off of Luis Garcia, and he was very solid in this one up until that point. He goes five and a third innings, giving up three runs. Two, those two home runs, and then from there, Brandon Belock winds up giving up two runs in a third of an inning. Brooks Raley, along with Kent Emanuel, give you four outs, and Josh Smith was able to give you a pair of outs. But for the Houston Astros, they were able to get some men on base, but they wound up leaving them on base. 11 men stranded. You wind up having Junior Guerra as an opener give up three runs. They were trying to avoid Jose Suarez having to go up against the front of the lineup, and he winds up giving up one run over the course of four innings. But an Angels bullpen has been terrible all year. They step up. Tony Watson is able will give you five outs. Steve Ciszek was able to help him out with an out as well, but Mike Myers, Rossi Iglesias, they closed things out in the eighth and ninth inning, and the team was able to get a trio of stolen bases as well, an Angels team that hasn't necessarily been able to do that. a lot of that, was able to get that done, and then the Baltimore Orioles were able to get it done as well. Four to one, the final. This was interesting as the Orioles entered into this day with the worst home record out there in the big leagues at four and 13, and for the Red Sox, they entered with the best record out there in the big leagues altogether, and I believe that they were 12 and Four on the road, but in this one, just nothing doing on offense. 0 5 with runners in scoring position for Mr. Ore Lopez. He goes five and two thirds innings. He gives up just one run, so he was able to do his job. If you're looking for a positive aspect of the Baltimore Orioles, it has been the bullpen. They go a combined three and a third innings with Cesar Valdez. Paul Fry, Trey Lankins, all giving you a scoreless setting, and Tanner Scott was able to give you a nod as well to be able to hold it down. And then for the offense, pair of home runs in this one. Trey Boom Boom Mancini was able to go yard. That is his seventh home run of the season. Then you were able to get another home run. This one came off the bat of Ryan Mountcastle. That is his start of the season. That one came off of Mr. Martin Perez, a starter who wound up giving up only that solo home run. He was relatively solid, but we all thought that the Boston Red Sox bullpen was probably going to have some deficiencies to say the least, and they wound up showing up in this game as Van Andres goes two innings, gives up three runs in the process. Phillips Valdez winds up going an inning, giving up just one at no earned runs, but certainly something that was a tad bit concerning. And for the Red Sox, they've actually been very balanced with regards to overs and unders. 18 and 18 to the over and the under. So that has been relatively rock solid. And what else is rock solid? The baseball analysis that you get from Jason Radowitz coming up next. We're going to be taking a look at some of the games that are going to be coming up for the slate on Tuesday. We're going to be talking to him about how he winds up using the pitching splits and how he winds up just evaluating pitching in general on underdogs and so much more. That is coming up right here on the Baseball Betting Podcast with myself, Greg Peterson. Greg is calling in a pinch hitter from the Overtime Network Hotline. And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. It is great to be joined by our next guest. This man has joined me quite a few times the last 12 or so months, and that's because he does a terrific job with SBR Sportsbook Picks, a.k.a. Sportsbook Review. He does a little bit of everything. He does a lot of MOB, but he also does some KBO. I know he does NFL, NBA, I know that he wound up getting into the NPB last year as well. So this is the man that does a little bit of everything as it is. Jason Radowitz joining me on the podcast. You're able to follow him on Twitter at Jason underscore Radowitz. And that last name is spelled R-A-D-O-W-I-T-Z. Jason, always great to have you aboard. Thank you. Of course. I appreciate you having me. It's been an interesting first month of the baseball season, but wouldn't want it any other way. It's been a lot of fun. Exciting. My Mets are in first place. They're one game with the Phillies and the Braves for first place. That's really good going into this week. So some good stuff there. Handicapping getting a little bit harder now as the season progresses, but still lots of fun. It certainly has been. And what I think is so fun as well is just taking a look at 
what we were expecting coming into the year and what we've seen to this point. Because as we're doing this podcast, the Boston Red Sox have the best record out there in Major League Baseball. I don't think that anyone saw that coming at the beginning of the season, especially after they wound up dropping three straight to begin the year against the Baltimore Orioles. I think that people had higher expectations for the Dodgers. They wind up coming into this day going 4-15 and 15 in their last 19 games. At this point of the year, how much do you think is real with regards to some of the hot starts slash slow starts that we've gotten off to? And how much do you think, oh, just a small sample size at this point among a 162-game season? Yeah, you know, I think, you know, for the Red Sox, the Giants, Cardinals, those are teams that I think will actually be good throughout the entire season. Of course, teams like the Dodgers, maybe even the Nationals, the Twins, obviously having a terrible season so far. The Angels always find themselves at the bottom, even with so much talent. Those teams have, you know, a chance to, you know, get back to winning ways eventually. But I would read into this, you know, the way that you should, whereas like the, the Red Sox are really good. The Giants, their pitching is really good. Like For example, the Giants, they are a team that they love to platoon. They love to you know, find the best matchups for their hitters, find their best matchups for the pitchers. And they've done that this year and they've done well with it. And that's why they're succeeding. So there's reasons why these teams are performing at a high level. I think the biggest thing, obviously, going into the season, you have to have a good pitching staff. If you don't have a good pitching staff, you're not going to win enough games. You know, the Red Sox, their pitching has been a lot better than I think we expected. The Giants, of course, they've been terrific in terms of their pitching. The Mets, they pitched really well. When you have good pitching staff, you're going to win games. That's kind of where I start my betting. I look at starters, look at bullpens, and I try to figure out, you know, if a team's going to be able to pitch really well. And if I think that they can do that, I'll look, you know, towards the hitting and the side there. But pitching is always first and foremost. When I'm betting, that's the first thing I look at. I think pitching is so important to your point. Very good one. And we do have two pitchers that I really like that are on downtrodden teams that are going to be going at it on Tuesday. We all know about John Means at this point. The no-hitter that he winds up throwing against the Seattle Mariners, absolutely magnificent. He's going up against the New York Mets, as I'm seeing it right now. The Mets are finding themselves a favorite in that game, and the Tigers are also finding themselves as an underdog against the Kansas City Royals. Matthew Boyd has had a nice resurgence this year. His strikeout numbers are down, but he's giving up far fewer walks and home runs, so he's been able to rectify that. Both of these teams, the Orioles and the Tigers, anywhere between plus 115 and plus 125 underdogs, as I'm seeing it right now. How do you evaluate these sorts of spots where you've got a very good starting pitcher, but they're just on teams that aren't producing a lot of runs, especially the Detroit Tigers, and in the case of the Tigers, have a really rocky bullpen, to say the least. Yeah, the Tigers and the Orioles, both teams, uh, they like to strike out a ton. Brady Singer, 29 strikeouts. Showman, 29 strikeouts. So they're not the highest strikeout guys, but they do enough. They're able to you know, pitch well enough where they don't need to worry about high strikeouts in the first place. But like the Tigers and the Orioles, both these teams, again, they strike out a ton. It's kind of funny because Boyd was really bad last year. He made some adjustments, looks a lot better this year. The biggest thing is he's able to keep the ball in play instead of over the yard. That's the big thing for him. And also means, of course, he was not the best pitcher last year. Looks completely different this year. Looks really good. But again, when your offense just can't figure out much of anything, the two of these teams, they strike out so much. Going up against Strowman, going up against Singer, both two pitchers that have looked pretty good so far this season. I know Brady Singer, one and three on the year, but still 3.41 ERA. And of course, the Royals have struggled offensively the last couple of weeks, and the entire team has. They're back under 500, where I think we all expect them to be in the first place. But when it comes to underdogs, I'd like to you know really 
dig deeper in a pitching matchup again you know lefty righty matchups how much damage can it can an offense do against a certain pitcher so look at that you know and you look at the Royals for example they're gonna have a lot of righties they're gonna have a lot of righties in that lineup against the Tigers Boyd's a lefty so maybe there's potential for some power there from the Royals of course I said Boyd hasn't allowed too many home runs this year but that could easily change this year because that's what we're kind of used to seeing in the first place so the Royals they have a chance to have some power against the lefty. That can change his season. The showmen get a lot of ground balls, and the Orioles, you know, that also, you know, they'll keep that ball in play. Showmen get out of there without damage either. So you do want to find underdogs that could get as much value as possible, but you also need to understand pitching matchups, hitting matchups, left righty matchups, and make sure that the the offense is able to score a couple runs. Like, can you see? one or two players in the lineup able to at least hit an extra base hit. If that's the case, and then you start there and you're like, okay, there's a chance that this team could definitely score some runs. Then that's when you look at the underdog. But when you're looking at these Tigers, when they're going up against righties, they strike out. I think every single player in that lineup can strike out over like 20% of the time. They're just not going to get the job done. They're just inconsistent enough to say, yeah, I'm going to put my money on them. Unless it's, of course, Urena or even Boyd at this point, but still, it's hard to take the Tigers, especially against any righty right now. Oh, goodness. It has been a terrible year for the Tigers. Hard to believe that they were able to get a couple wins against the Astros about a month or so ago. Ever since then, it has all been downhill. As we do have Jason Radowitz of SBR, a sportsbook review, joining me on the podcast. And how much when you're looking at underdogs do you take a look at splits like this? Because let's go back to that Baltimore Orioles game. The Orioles on the road this year have actually been one of the best teams out there in the Bay Leagues. 11 and 6 away from home. Now they're 4 and 13 at home. That is actually the worst record out there in the big leagues. That's worse than the Detroit Tigers, everyone. How much do you take a look at something like that, and do you chalk that up to being something that is something to bet on slash against, or do you just view it as we're about a month through the season, small sample size? Yeah, and, you know, especially being in the Northeast, weather is a little bit different um, at home compared to where they might be traveling on the road. And I'm not exactly sure, you know, where they played so far, but, you know, for any of the Northeast teams, that could be the case where, they're going to struggle a little bit in the colder weather. You know, as the weather starts to heat up around that area, things might change. The Orioles might win at home, and it might be where they start to perform worse on the road. So, yeah, it's probably just too early to look into that. I'll tell you one thing that's not too early. It's the Reds, their home in the way splits. That's been absurd. Oh, yeah. And I think that's actually a serious something to look at now. But maybe the Orioles not too much. Just knowing that they're in the Northeast, and that's where you're going to have some cold weather right now. And you know, really, the weather hasn't you know warmed up yet so far. So it's been a little hectic for everyone. There's no excuses, but it's definitely something to look at moving forward. And I love the fact that you brought up the Cincinnati Reds because going into yesterday's tilt with the Pittsburgh Pirates, 10-7 and seven at home, obviously that's not changing as we do this podcast, but they entered into that game 5-9 and nine on the road. But what I think is more significant even than just the sides is the totals with the Cincinnati Reds because they're doing a great job of putting up runs at home. 6.9 runs per game at home. 2.86 runs per game entering into Monday away from home. I mean, that is one of the most stark differences I've ever seen. And I think that more than just weather, you have to take a look at ballpark factors as well because you take a look at the team that has played the worst on the road this year. That'd be the Colorado Rockies, 2-14 and 14 straight up. I do think that that plays a big impact on it as well because unlike in so many other sports, you do wind up setting up 
your lineup according to the ballpark. Now, there are certain teams out there in the NFL that maybe they'll go a little bit more run heavy if they're out there in the northeast part of the country due to winter and everything like that. But I feel like it's more drastic than in any other sport in Major League Baseball. And I think that we're seeing the effects of some of these rosters and the way that they are set up this season. Yeah, that's definitely true. Like you said, the Rockies, they've been terrible on the road. It's just been a disaster. It was expected. You know, it was expected that they would not perform, you know, especially with Arenado not around anymore. But, you know, the Rockies, they're an interesting team. If you look at their pitching staff, they have a lot of pitchers that are supposed to get a lot of ground balls. In course Field, that might help a little bit. And then away, for whatever reason, maybe not so much. But yeah, everything is, is structured around the field, home field, and the roster and who they're playing. That's the beauty of baseball. You know, like, if you're facing a righty, you're going to try to put as many lefties as you can unless, you know, the, the righty struggles against righties. But that's the, the fun part about baseball is that you can look at those things and that changes day by day, which is, you know, why, for example, in college basketball, we were capping games Saturday and Sunday with the same two teams, you know, playing against each other in the same court. But now in baseball, even though they play a three-game series, it's always a different pitcher. It's going to be different batters playing against different pitcher. You know, some might be switch hitter or lefty-righty matchup. So, things change so much in baseball compared to all the other sports. And that's what makes baseball so much more fun compared to other sports. There's so much more strategy involved and it's just mono y mono. Whichever one beats that other gets the W for that, you know, at bat and you move on. So it's such a fun sport. And that's why there's, you know, a bench. That's why there's a bullpen. That's why there's lefty righty matchups and makes it so much more fun. I agree with you. And Jason, when you just take a look at the board for Tuesday, we've went through some of these underdogs that are going to be in action. The Orioles, the Tigers, the Colorado Rockies. But is there a game or two that really stands out to you that you have a star around either from just a casual viewing standpoint or from a perspective of you're looking at a bet on that game? Yeah, look at the Dodgers. No matter who they're playing against, a left-handed pitcher, they can never score. And we talk about Sunday on Mother's Day. We had the Dodgers facing Jose Quintana. And they got a ton of runners on base. And they couldn't score a lick off of Quintana. But the guy coming into the game had an over 10 ERA. Well, now they're facing Yusei Kikuchi, another lefty pitcher. And the Dodgers, for whatever reason, that guy's on base. They can walk. They can do whatever. They just can never score runs. So the Dodgers, they're probably going to be big favorites with Walker Bueller on the mound. The Dodgers, they're home. The premium price, they're 4 and 15 or whatever the heck they are. In their last 18, 19 games, the Mariners, 18 and 17 on the year, they have a chance to beat the Dodgers because they got a lefty on the mound. And the Dodgers just can't hit lefties for whatever it's worth. They just can't do it. So something to look out there. The Mariners can definitely upset the Dodgers. I do think that is so fascinating what we're seeing with the Dodgers right now. Just so many different losses. Last time these two teams wound up doing battle, it was a split in that series. But as we know, Dodgers have fallen on hard times. They are going to be able to pick it up. And a man that never falls on hard times, he just always has it going. Always is firing all cylinders. That'd be you, Jason. You do a terrific job with SBR, a Sportsbook Review. I know you do other things with sites like Doc Sports. I know they do some of your own podcasts. The list goes on and on. So let the good people know know how they're able to follow you on social media and just what you're all working on right now. Yeah, you can find me at Jason underscore Radowitz. That's on Twitter, Jason underscore Radowitz. That's R-A-D-O-W-I-T-Z. Post all my MLB plays there. And of course, the link to the SBR show, which we do Monday through Friday at 2.30 to about 3 o'clock every single day, again, Monday through Friday. We break down the entire slate of games within 30 minutes or so. A lot of fast talking. 
But uh, we got the job done. Also, of course, give out our best bets and other leans throughout the day. Also, I just started working with the Game Day. It's another sports betting site. They're more of a startup, but they have a big following on Instagram. So again, the Game Day, I'm writing some articles then for them. Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday, doing some work for them. And uh, also, we'll be on their podcast here and there as well called The Daily Dingers, which is like a small little podcast for 15 minutes where they just kind of get out the best leans and best bets for the day. Outside that, I'm just doing me, just on my Patreon, doing MLB and the KBO content and uh, giving out best bets there. Doing that, and it's been a long, long month. going to have a lot more long months, but it's, uh, it's lots of fun. Baseball, you don't get any breaks. It's an everyday thing, so there's a lot of consistency involved a lot of content and it's a lot of fun, but also a lot of work. So like, you know, Greg, myself and everyone else that's doing all this handicapping, give us some respect, really give us some props and appreciate the hard work that we're all putting in because the baseball season, especially it's a long one and there's a ton of games. It just doesn't stop every single day. It's a no break kind of deal. So it's a lot of fun. Don't get me wrong, but it is a lot of work. So definitely pay respect to everyone, just like Greg and myself who are putting in the work every single day even on Saturdays and Sundays when it's Mother's Day, when it's other holidays, we're putting in that work to help you guys cash your bets. So, And it certainly is a sport for the grinders. This is not the sport that you want to try to get in better for a few days and try to get rich quick. This is one in which if you wind up taking good numbers for the season, if you look for value for on underdogs, if you just take a look and you're able to adjust to the market day in and day out, week in and week out, you will be rewarded. Jason does a great job with all of his baseball handicapping, and it's always great to get him on the podcast. So big thanks to Jason for joining me right here on the Baseball Betting Podcast. Coming up next, it is that time of the podcast. I give you a sign total on every game on the betting board for this Tuesday as we touch them all. Welcome back to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson as we're off to a quality start. And now it's time to walk it off in a grand fashion. Thank you and love you, Las Vegas, for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. Always great to get Jason Radowitz on this podcast. So big thanks to him for joining me in the last segment to break down some of the games that we're going to be seeing today. Now it is that time of the podcast. They give you a sign total on every game on the betting board for this wonderful Tuesday as we... Touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Do note that any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at JaronScorty1. We have a lot of intra-league games. Those are going to be the ones that are at the bottom. It goes National League first, then American League, and then interleague games. This is the same order that I go in with regards to my spreadsheet with all my handicap lines, so that should keep things all nice, neat, clean, and easy. So we are going to be beginning with the first game out there in the National League. 951 the Cincinnati Reds. Yes, we are on to Cincinnati, and they are under the road facing off against the Pittsburgh Pirates. JT Burbaker is going to be going for the Buccos. Meanwhile, Jeff Hoffman is on the bump for the Reds. Relative pick game here. Pirates, a very slight favorite. As big as a minus 114, as low as a minus 105. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Red Legs, anywhere between minus 110 and minus 102. Totals anywhere between 7.5 and 8. On the 7.5, overs anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. Unders anywhere between even a minus 110. On the 8, the unders anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. The overs anywhere between even and minus 110. For the Reds, going into yesterday, we were talking about it with our good buddy Jason. Everything right around 6.9 runs per game at home. On the road, more like 2.9, and they bust out for 14 runs. So 
That was not too terrific for the Pittsburgh Pirates. He had to go to Jeff Hartley for a pair of innings. Dwayne Underwood Jr. has been used up, but you've got a lot of your bullpen pieces that are more trustworthy, like a Kyle Crick, like a Richard Rodriguez, available in this one now for the Pirates. You don't have a lot of guys hitting for this team right now due to injury. Jacob Stallings is hitting a 250 along with Wilmer Defoe, and a Frazier, Brian Reynolds, both hitting above a 290, but then you've got like Kai Tom, Philip Evans, even a Kavon Newman, list goes on and on. Ben Gamble's hitting a 0-63, and the Todd father, Todd Frazier, these guys have all been awful, but you take a look at the Reds. Seems like they're starting to find a little bit more consistency on the road. You've got two guys out there in the outfield in Jesse Winker and Nick Cassianos doing a great job hitting above a 300. Taylor Naquin is someone I do like. He's been able to go deep for this team eight times so far this season. Most of them came in the early part, but he's starting to refine it. Now, Jonathan India has went into a little bit of a funk along with Kyle Farmer, but the catcher spot in general has been very good for this team. Tucker Barnard, Stevenson, list goes on and on. And for the Reds, they were able to use some of their less than trustworthy arms yesterday. Ethan Embry, Sal Romano wound up coming out of the bullpen, so you are going to be left with some solid pieces, but you take a look at Jeff Hoffman. He's actually been able to do a relatively solid job now that he is away from Coors Field when he was with the Rockies. It was a disaster. 439 ERAs, giving up four home runs at 26 and two thirds innings. 13 walks are a little bit high for Burbaker. He has given up five home runs himself, but 37 punch outs in 32 and a third innings. This is a little bit more of a pitcher friendly ballpark as well out there in Pittsburgh, so that is going to be factored in as well. When you take a look at the Reds, I did feel like they should be a very slight favorite just because when it comes to the Pirates, they do have the advantage when it comes to the starting pitching, and for that matter, in my opinion, the bullpen to a lesser extent as well. But I do think that the Reds are starting to be a little bit more consistent overall when it comes to their hitting, so I'm willing to lay up to a minus 103 with them, so we're going to be taking the red legs in this spot. Set this total at 7.8 as well. I'm seeing the 7.5 at minus 110. We're going to be taking that over to go along with the Reds. 9.53, 9.54 on the betting board. The Washington Nationals are going to be playing us to the Philadelphia Phillies. Chase Anderson is going to be going for the Phils. Eric Fetty Wap is on the bump for the Nationals. Your total on this game is anywhere between 8.5 and, and 9 on the 8.5 over Zeus of minus 120. The under is even on the 9. The under is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 125. The over is anywhere between minus minus 110 and plus 105. If you're looking at the Nats, you're going to be finding them anywhere between minus 113 and minus 118. Meanwhile, your plus price here with the Nationals, you're actually finding as bad as a minus 102. I would not advise that. Meanwhile, you're finding as good as a plus 109. And with Washington, they have been able to get some better bullpen pitching so far this season. I do like what you're getting out of Brandon. This is a bunch that has been able to get a little bit of something out of Danny Hudson as well. Tanner Rainey has been solid. And then you take a look at what they don't have. Water ice. Where Oh, this guy sucks, so that helps him out as well. And for Fetty, he's a guy that's going to give you typically five solid innings. So far this year, he's walked 13 in 27 and two-thirds innings, so that's not necessarily terrific, but three runs are fewer given up in four out of his last five starts, four and two-thirds innings in all but one of them, so that's something that you're able to rely upon. Meanwhile, for Chase Anderson, walks are an issue for him as well. 14 walks in 26 innings, and you want to note the Philadelphia Phillies home and road splits. Second best record in regards to home games this season. Meanwhile, on the road, this is a bunch that they wind up entering into this game right around 5-9-ish. and nine -ish. So, that is something that you do want to note now with the Phillies. They do have their infield doing a good job of being able to get on base. Gene Segura hitting a 384 is tremendous. You've got Bryce Harper back to fold. It's been on a little bit of a funk ever since he's come back, but he's Segura, JT Ryumito, of an on-base percentage of 400 or greater. Brad Miller has been able to give you a little bit of something. Now, Odubo Herrera has actually picked it up with the Bucks 75. That's 
Really sad to say that Alec Bohm has just not been able to give you a lot so far this year, and we know this with the Philadelphia Phillies. You can't trust in this bullpen. Hector Neris has been a disaster. Brandon Kitzler not having a great year. Matt Moore right now being a long reliever for the team is not ideal. Meanwhile, for the Nats, this is a bunch that they're doing a good job of being able to get on base. They haven't necessarily been able to drive in those runs, but getting back Juan Soto should be a low up at most. He's one of the top five sluggers, in my opinion, in all of baseball. If you got Josh Harrison hitting a 290 trade turner down for what? Is one of the best base dealers out there in all of baseball. I actually wound up leading the league a few years ago. He's hitting above a 3 error. Now, Josh Bell, along with Kyle Schwarber, have been a little bit of a disaster, hitting below a 200 apiece. Sterling Castro, though, hitting a 280 along with Yadiel Hernandez. Victor Robles is someone that's hitting right around 240, but he's able to get on base. He's got some wheels for you. I do think that at home, the Washington Nationals should be a little bit of a favorite. I set them as high as a minus 113. I just do not trust the Phillies on the road at this spot. I am seeing as good as a minus 113. So, right on the number for me is what we're going to be taking with Washington. So, we're going to be taking that money line. And then, if you're taking a look at the total, I want up setting at 9.1 because with Fetty, I think he gives up a couple runs. And with Chase Anderson, he has his walks issues. And as we know, bullpen not necessarily great. So, we're taking the over and we're taking the Washington Nationals. 955, 956 on the betting board. The Milwaukee Brewers are going to be playing us to the St. Louis Cardinals. Juan Young Kim is going to be going for the cards. Meanwhile, Freddie Peralta is on the bump for the Brewers. Brew crew are finding themselves as favorites here. Anywhere between minus 120 and minus 125. Meanwhile, your plus price here with St. Louis. Anywhere between plus 105 and plus 115. Your total is 7.5. With the 7.5, unders anywhere between minus 110 and minus 125. The overs anywhere between plus 105 and minus 110. Seeing a straight 7, that over has juice of minus 125 and the under is plus 105. And I think that this is going to be an intriguing spot because I do feel like the Brewers should be a sizable favorite. Now with Kim, he's been able to do a solid job of not walking, guys. His Command is there. Doesn't necessarily crank it up when it comes to his fastball, though. He can sometimes get hit hard, only giving up one home run so far this year. But I just think it's such a small sample size because he wound starting out the year on the injured list. Meanwhile, for Freddie Peralta, he is all about that gas. 53 punch outs in 32 innings. That's like 14 and a half punch outs per nine innings. He's been able to do a great job there. What has not been great for the Milwaukee Brewers has been the lineup in general. Christian Yelich back on the injured list. Now, Colton Wong along Tyrone Taylor. These guys have been able to step it up for the team. Both of these guys hitting between a 260 and a 270. But Luis Arias along with Billy McKinney, Luke Molly, Pablo Reyes, Travis Shaw, Manny Pina, Daniel Vogelback, Jackie Bradley Jr. Hitting a 220 or lower. It has been absolutely terrible. Meanwhile, you take a look at the bullpen. You've got, in my opinion, the best 8th and ninth inning duo out there in baseball. And Josh Hader along Devin Williams. And for the St. Louis Cardinals, Genesis Copanetta has been relatively solid. Jordan Hicks got off to a little bit of a rough start to begin the year, but Cody Whitley is someone that I do like. And for the Cardinals, you do have guys that are getting on base. Getting back Yadier Molina is absolutely huge because, for one, he really does help out the pitching happen for two. He's hitting like a 330 right now. You've got Nolan Arenado. Long time he had been hitting between a 280 and a 290. Dylan Carlson has been able to hit above a 300. He's had a nice year under the radar. Paul DeYoung only hitting right around a buck 86, but on base is solid. He's able to give you a little bit of pop. So you've been able to get a little bit of something out of St. Louis Cardinals, but I do think that the Brewers are going to be able to shore things up in the back end of the bullpen. And I want to saying this one on 7.7. I do think that Kim is just going to give up a couple too many runs in his start. I do think that the Brewers are going to be able to generate some runs via the home run. So in this spot, I'm going to be laying it with the Brewers. I'm willing to lay up to a minus 137, and I'm going to be taking this total over. 957, 958 on the bang board. These Slam Diego Padres are going to be hitting the road to face off against the Colorado Rockies. You do want to note that yesterday's game wound up getting rained out. That doubleheader is going to be happening on Wednesday, so we've only got one for this one. As of right now, it looks like it is going to be one, and Antonio Senzatella is going to be going for the Colorado Rockies. Meanwhile, Denelson Lamette is going to be on the bump for the 
Padres. We currently do not have numbers listed up on this game because, well, it was supposed to take place yesterday, but if you're taking a look at yesterday's numbers, that wound up being a spot in which when it was rained out, the Padres were in the neighborhood of about a 175 to 180 favorite. Meanwhile, if you were looking at the Rockies anywhere between plus 155 and plus 165 with a total of 9.5 over at minus 120 and the under at even. In that spot, I was looking at taking the under. That was actually my New York Post play of the day for Monday and I was taking a look at the San Diego Padres. I've got to think that we're going to be getting very similar numbers here. I'm willing to take the Colorado Rockies as long as you're getting pretty much a plus 160. And then I was looking at the under as well at the 9.5. I even feel like as long as you're getting a 9 or lo- or higher, you're going to be taking a look at the under in this spot. Obviously, we're going to factor in a little bit of weather because we have noticed that in Colorado, it has been very strange recently. But you take a look at Sensatella, he's been able to do a relatively solid job for this team when he's been at home. Actually, has a better career home ERA than he does on the road as he's won 22 and 11 throughout his career at Coors Field. Meanwhile, for Nelson Lamette, being able to get an extra day of rest might be solved for him because he has wanted to make it two starts so far this year. Sort of spread out, and he's only went two innings a piece in them. So you got to feel like they're starting to ramp up back up. And for the Padres, this is a, a team that has been used for the most bullpen innings out there among any team out there in the National League. The only team that has used it more is the Tampa Bay Rays, and as we know, they're a team that they really look to the bullpen. And for the Padres, you do have quite a few guys doing a good job of being able to get on base, but the power numbers seem a little bit down so far this year. They've got 34 home runs over the course of 35 games, which I feel like is a little bit surprising, but Eric Cosmer hitting nearly a 300. That has been solved for the team. Fernando Tatis Jr. has been able to give you nine home runs. His on base was very bad to begin the year. He's been able to pick it up recently. Trent Kirsham hitting in the neighborhood of a 290 is nice. Manny Machado, Jerickson, Profar, they need to pick it up. Both in between a 225 and a 235, but both have an on-base of a 322. And then for the Rockies, this is a team that, no question, does a much better job at home than they do on the road. You just take a look at what they've been able to do at home in general so far this season. And they're hitting as a collective about a 260. The power numbers are not necessarily completely off the map as they've got 27 home home runs so far this year. But Ryan McMahon, Remy Tapia, CJ Krohn, Dom Nunez, all have at least four home runs. At home so far this year, Trevor Story, when he's at Coors, is hitting right around at 324. Ryan McMahon has been able to do a relatively solid job as well. Garrett Hampson, he has a 310 batting average. And you want to know with Colorado Rockies, they are 2-14 and 14 on the road so far this year. And that means that at home, they are 10-8. and eight. So they are vastly different when it's the first game for a team when they wind up going to Coors. It's a little bit difficult for them. Now, both bullpens are going to be relatively rested. And for the Colorado Rockies, the bullpen ERA has been relatively solid so far this year. So this is probably a spot in which I'm going to be taking a look at the same things as I did yesterday, the under and the Colorado Rockies. If we wind up seeing something other than Lamette versus Sensatello, though, I will be noting that on my Twitter feed at Jaren's 41 so look out there. 959-960 on the betting board. The Arizona Diamondbacks are going to be playing us to the Miami Marlins. Pablo Lopez is on the bump for the Marlins. Meanwhile, you take a look at the Arizona Diamondbacks. They've got Matt Bum, Madison Bumgarner. Dawn's game is anywhere between 7.5 and, and 8. On the 8, your under is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. Meanwhile, while the over is finding itself anywhere between even money. I'm even seeing a plus 105 in this spot, and I'm seeing as bad as a minus 110. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the years on the Diamondbacks, anywhere between minus 105 and minus 112 is what you're laying. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at Miami, you're going to be getting as bad as a minus 106, as good as a minus 103. 
I do feel like Mr. Lopez should be a little bit of a favorite in this spot. For Bumgarner, he was able to bust out with that no-hitter. He looked absolutely tremendous in that spot, and recently he has been able to do a good job. He wound up giving up more than two home runs per nine innings last season. He was not himself. He's got the good swing and miss stuff back, though. 40 punch outs and 36 and two-thirds innings, so that has been good for him. Meanwhile, for Lopez, he's getting right around a strike upper inning. 40 punch outs, 39 and two-thirds innings. Skip the ball in the yard. Three home runs in 39 and two-thirds innings. Now, a little bit of that is because he does play in Miami, but by and large, you just take a look at him. He has been able to give you good, consistent results night in and night out. Last start was, ironically enough, against Arizona. Wound up giving up one earned run over the course of five innings. So you do like what he's providing there. Meanwhile, with the Arizona Diamondbacks, the lineup wound up getting off to a very nice start, but they have fallen on some tough times recently. Pavin Smith, someone that has been able to do a solid job of being able to get on base, but you can tell that not having Quetel Marte of the Marte Parte has hurt this team a little bit. Christian Walker's back off the injury list, but he, Nick Ahmad, Eduardo Escobar, Dalton Varsho, all these guys hitting a 220 or lower. Now, Carson Kelly with a 480 on base going into yesterday. That's absolutely insane, and Ezra Cabrera has been able to do his job, but then you take a look at Miami. You've got a lot of guys that they need to pick it up as well. Jesus Aguiar said about five home runs over the last two and a half weeks. Corey Dickerson, he's hitting a 326, but outside these two gentlemen, the only other person that was hitting above 240 in the lineup heading into yesterday was Chad Walk, and he has not seen a lot of reps out there at the catcher spot. Guys like John Birdie, Izan Diaz, Garrett Cooper, even someone like a Lewis Prince, and these guys have just not been able to hold up their end of the bargain, but you take a look at the Miami Marlins. Bullpen has been relatively solid. Now, it's been used up a lot recently, but guys like Amy Garcia, Dylan Floro, Jordan Hallway, they've been able to do a good job. Meanwhile, you take a look at the Arizona Diamondbacks. Bullpen isn't great. Bullpen isn't terrible. Guys like Kevin Ginkle, you wind up getting back Joaquin Soria, Alex Young, they've been able to hold down the fort. So, in this spot, I wound up making the Miami Marlins a very slight favorite, so we're going to be taking that. And with the total, I set it at 8.3. So, right now, we are seeing mostly 7.5 to 8, so we're going to be taking this total over along with the Miami Marlins on the money line. 961-962 on the big board. The Detroit Tigers are going to be playing us against the Royals. Brady Singer is going to be going for the Royals. Meanwhile, Matthew Boyd is on the bump for the Detroit Tigers. Total on this game is 7.5 over and under. Anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115. If you're taking a look at the Royals, you're going to be finding them anywhere between minus 118 and minus 128. Meanwhile, your plus price here with Detroit. Anywhere between plus 108 and plus 118. And we were talking about this game along with the Orioles game, which is going to be coming up relatively soon with our good buddy Jason, but I take a look at this spot and I do feel like the Tigers should be a bit of an underdog. I set them at plus 124, which means that I need a minus 124 or better to take a look at the Royals, and hey, we're actually finding something in the wheelhouse of right around minus 121-ish, which is what I'm seeing at Circa, so that's something that I'm going to be taking a look at for Boyd. He has been able to do a flat-out very good job. Only one home run given up so far this year after the last, I would say, year and a half-ish. He was giving up right around two and a half home runs per nine innings. He has dropped the strikeouts, and he has increased the command. That has allowed him to go deeper into games, which is big, because the Detroit Tigers have the worst bullpen ERA out there in the big leagues. Guys like Brian Garcia, Gregory Soto, Kyle Funkhauser, I don't have any faith in them. Meanwhile, for the Royals, they've actually had a surprisingly bad bullpen themselves. They're now in the bottom 10 in the big leagues, but for Singer, two home runs given up in 29 innings. Walks have been a little bit of an issue with 11 of them, but by and large, after a couple rough starts to begin the year, he has been able to pick it up. And when you take a look at this Royals team, I do think that eventually, Ode Soler is going to wind up hitting. This is someone hitting a buck 91. He wound up having 49 home runs back in the 2019 season. So far this year, he's got two, but he is going to be someone that I think is going to be able to turn around. You then take a look at Carlos Santana and his 383 on base. That's solid. Salvador Perez, Andrew Benintendi, and Whit Merrifield 
all in between a 265 and a 275. All these guys have on-base percentages that aren't necessarily too drastic, but they're able to give you a little bit of something. And so Alberto needs to pick it up along with a few of the other pieces like Nicky Lopez. But when you take a look at this Detroit Tigers lineup, it is very bad, and that's putting it very politely. Akil Badu was giving you something at the beginning of the year. He has now really not been able to find it. Harold Castro is hitting above a 300 in a small sample size. Jameer Candelario hitting a 290, but this is one of the worst teams with regards to power out there in the big leagues. Nico Goodrum along with Rodgers at the catcher spot are hitting between a 240 and a 250, but pretty much everyone else on this lineup is hitting a 225 or worse. That is not necessarily what you want, and even though the Royals bullpen has been struggling a little bit, guys like Josh Mount, Greg Holland, list goes on and on. I do have a little bit of faith in them, so that is why I am going to be taking the Royals on the money line. I think that after the starters wind up going out, they're going to be able to take hold, and with this total, I wound up setting it at 7.4. I do think that we're going to get a little bit of a lower scoring game, just because I just don't have the faith that the Tigers are going to be able to score three runs in this game. So, we're going to be taking this little under, and I'm going to be taking the Royals' money line. 963-964 on the bang board. The Boston Red Sox are going to be playing off the Oakland A's. Chris Bassett is the oak line and sinker in this one. Meanwhile, Nathan Evaldi is on the bump for the Red Sox. If you're looking at this total, it's anywhere between 8.5 and, and 9 on the 8.5. Over is minus 120, and the under is even. On the 9, the under is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 125. Meanwhile, the over anywhere between plus 105 and minus 105. And if you're taking a look at the Boston Red Sox, you're going to be laying anywhere between minus 130 and minus 140. Meanwhile, your plus price here with Oakland is anywhere between plus 120 and plus 130. And with Oakland, this is a bunch that has been able to do a tremendous job of being able to play pretty much anywhere after their 1-7 start. They've really picked it up in all fronts. And with Oakland, as long as I was getting a plus 118, I was going to be taking a shot here. So that means that we are going to be taking a look at that plus price. And you take a look at Bassett, someone that has had a couple walks issues in the past, but by and large, has been able to rein it in so far this season. You take a look at Bassett, he hasn't been great, he has not been terrible either, he has been able to post up a 370 ERA across 41 and a third innings, he has only given up three home runs, so that is good, and then you take a look at Nathan Eovaldi, has yet to give up a home run this year, now the walks are something that he has not necessarily had to give up a lot of either with eight, but it seems like he's just been a little bit unfortunate in a few starts, you take a look at the last one against the Tigers, gives up six runs in four and a third innings, and prior to that. He gives up one five four two. It just feels like it's a little bit streaky with him. And he's backed up by a bullpen that I do think is going to regress. When you've got guys like Austin Bryce, Star Windsor Hernandez, even someone like a Horikazu Sawamura, I just don't think that it's necessarily sustainable. And then you take a look at the Oakland A's. This is a bunch that they've been able to do a good job in the bullpen, despite the fact that J.B. Wendelkin is currently on the injured list. Lou Trevino, someone I like. They've brought back Birch Smith. He's always been able to give you two solid innings. As Merrill Petit is very solid for the team, Adam Cole or Eric as well, so I do think that you're in good hands there, and for the Oakland A's, this is a team that they don't necessarily do the world's greatest job of being able to get on base, but they do a good job of being able to lump their runs together. Mark Anna sets the table, 381 on base, then you've got quite a few guys with between a 317 and a 347 on base, Jed Lowry, Matt Olson, along with even a Matt Chapman, Sam Murphy, and Chapman hitting a 213, he's actually been able to pick it up a little bit, Sam Brown, all these guys have been able to do a good job, and Tony Kemp, despite his 217 average, 368 on base, so they they do a good job of being able to scratch and claw, and this is a team that they do a great job of being able to hit lefties. This is certainly not necessarily the best situation for them, but you take a look at the Boston Red Sox bullpen. They do have quite a few lefties in there as well, and for Nathan Eovaldi, he just seems to be strange with his splits as well. Meanwhile, you take a look at the Boston Red Sox. You 
you've got a team that you've got a lot of guys doing a great job of getting on base for this team as well. J.D. Martinez, Xander Bogarts, Rafael Devers, Christian Vasquez all hitting at least a 275 along with Alex Verdugo. And for Bogarts and Martinez, both hitting above a 333 and both have a on-base percentage hovering right around 400 for Martinez. He's been able to give you 10 home runs so far this year. Now, Hunter Renfro, Franchi Cordero, Bobby Dahlbeck, Marwin Gonzalez, these guys are hitting at 225 or lower, so you've got your ups and downs there, but in this spot, I do think that Oakland is being presented with quite a bit of value. I do think that Nathan Eovaldi has been a little bit lucky to not give up more hard contact that, than he has, and with the total, I wound up setting it at 8.2. Personally, I do realize that Fenway Park, a little bit more hitter-friendly, but I do think that Oakland, with their struggles against right-handed pitching, they're just going to be able to grind this thing out and win a little bit of a lower-scoring game, so I'm going to be taking it under and taking the plus price here with Oakland. 965-966 on the banking board. The Tampa Bay Rays are going to be playing us in the New York Yankees. Jordan Montgomery is going to be going for the Yankees. Meanwhile, Luis Patino is going to be going for the Rays. Rays are finding themselves as underdogs here. You're going to be getting them anywhere between plus 107 and plus 115. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Yankees, you're going to be finding them as close to minus 123, as high as a minus 132, and your total on this game is 8 over and under anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115. Patino, someone that I actually really like. They wind up the race acquiring him in the offseason and he was someone that while he's with the Padres last season was able to give them some solid innings. It's good to see that the Rays are utilizing him now. He's probably going to be like a three to four inning guy. It looks like he's probably going to be used as an opener for Ryan Yarbrough and if you want some crazy stats Ryan Yarbrough when he's been coming out after following someone he is absolutely amazing. For Yarbrough, and we have done the research here. He is 5 and 14 with a 461 career ERA and 33 starts. Meanwhile, 24 and 5 with a 347 ERA in 50 games of which he's pitched in and has not started in. That is absolutely amazing. Now, you want to note home and road splits with the Rays as well. With the Rays on the road, they've been one of the best teams in the big leagues, scoring over five and a half runs per game on the road. That dips to more like three and a half ish. So, that is something that you want to be taking a look at as well. And with the Tampa Bay Rays, this is a squad that you've been having some inconsistent hitting with this team. Randy Orozarena hitting right around 8-273-62 on base. He's been solid. Even some like a Yandy Diaz, 387 on base. He's been able to give you something, but the on-base isn't necessarily great with these guys, and they're struggling. Manuel Margot, Austin Meadows, Mark Brasso, along with Brett Phillips, William Adamas, Mike Zanino, Kevin Kiermeyer, all hitting a 230 or lower for this bunch. And the race since the beginning of the 2020 season lead all of Major League Baseball with regards to strikeouts. But for Jordan Montgomery, 28 punch outs at 32 and two-thirds innings. He's given up five home runs. He and the Yankees in general have had their struggles against the Rays as well. Now you take a look at the Yankees lineup, it's starting to come around. DJ LeMayu, 374 on base. Giancarlo Stanton is hitting nearly a 300. Yeah, nice walk-off hit against the Nats a couple days ago. Aaron Judge has been scuffling a little bit, but he's been able to give you 18 RBI. He's got like a 350-ish on base. Aaron X selling below the Mendoza line. 200 along Clint Frazier. Gary Sanchez has just been an absolute disaster for this team. I don't know why they trade for Rudan Dordor. He is absolutely terrible, but I mean, with that said, they've got what they've got. I actually think that Kyle Gashioka should be starting for the Yankees. That is just my personal opinion, and they're still dealing with some injuries in the bullpen. Darren O'Day is now on the 10-day injury list. Looks like Rudan Dordor went on the injury list, so that's actually an upgrade for the Yankees, so good for them on that, but you take a look at the race. After a rough start to begin the year, the bullpen is getting a little bit more healthy. You've got now Pete Fairbanks out there in the bullpen. You've got to love what you've been able to get out of Andrew Kicktriff. 
I do think that you're getting some good production out of Hunter Strickland and Jeffrey Springs as well. So I take a look at this spot. I felt like the race should have been a very, very slight favorite here. I literally set them at minus 101. So we're going to be taking the raise on the money line. And with this total, why not saying it at 8.7? Because I do think that Montgomery is going to give up a couple runs. I think that the Yankees are doing a little bit of a better job with their offense. But I do think that in the end, the Rays find a way to be able to pull it out. So raise money line and the over the play here. 967, 968 on the bang board. The Chicago White Sox are going to be playing also. Minnesota Twins. Kenta Maeda is going to be going for the Twinkies. Meanwhile, Dylan Cease and Deceased is going to be going for the White Sox, who find themselves as favorites here anywhere between minus 117 and minus 125. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Minnesota Twins, as anywhere between plus 105 and plus 113, and your total on games range between 8 and 8.5. And on the 8, overs anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. The unders anywhere between even a minus 105. On the 8.5, unders anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. Overs anywhere between even a minus 105. For Kenta Maeda, he was lights out last year, so so far this year, he's got north of a 5 ERA. He hasn't necessarily been walking a lot of guys. The command is there for him, but he has given up 7 home runs in 28 and 2 thirds innings to go along with 7 walks. So, that's not been terrific. A buck 53 whip. Meanwhile, for Dylan Cease, he was getting very lucky last year, and I do still feel like there's a little bit of regression that's doing for him last year. His fielding independent was 2 points higher than his ERA, but other than the walks, which he's got 15 and 30 and 2 thirds innings, he's done a good job of being able to hold down the fort. And you got to feel like both of these bullpens are going to be able to pick it up a little bit with the Twins. Alex Colomay has been a hot mess for this team. We've seen Taylor Rogers time and time again be able to pull through for this team. He has been a little bit rough recently. Ansel Robles has been solid, but even a guy like Derek Law, I think he's going to be able to give them a bit of something. And for the White Sox, Liam Hendricks wound up getting off to a rough start this year along with Aaron Mummer, but they have been able to pick it up. Matt Foster is able to give you a bit of something. Evan Marshall, Jose Ruiz. So you've got some solidness there. And then when you take a look at the White Sox, you're going to Mercedes. Inning at 373 is absolutely superb for this team. Now, now, the White Sox actually score more runs when they are on the road than they are at home, but you've even got Tim Anderson, Nick Madrigal, Luis Robert. Whenever he's out there, he's been dealing with some injuries. These guys have been able to hit right around a 300. Daniel Mendick hitting well above a 300 as well. Now, Yasmani Grandal needs to pick it up. Buck 13 batting average and a 378 on base. I have no idea how that happens, but that's where he's at right now. And then you take a look at the flip side for the Minnesota Twins. Byron Buxton seems to be a little bit banged up once again. He's on the injured list, but you have been able to get a lot of something out of Nelson Cruz. Eight home runs, hitting nearly a 300 for this bunch. And you still got some guys that are doing a relatively solid job in the lineup for the Minnesota Twins. Now, you're going to need to get a little bit more out of quite a few of these guys. You've got Max Kepler, Jake Cave, Miguel Sano, Mitch Garver, all hitting at a 250. 15 or lower, but Josh Donaldson hitting right around at 293.75 on base. He's showing some good form for this team. They've been using a couple younger guys out there in the outfield. I do like what you're getting out of Kyle Garlick, but I do take a look at this spot. I do like what I'm seeing out of Dylan Cease, but I do think that Kenta Maeda is going to be able to pick it up, which is why I'm going to be setting the Twins as a very slight favorite. I set this total at 8.9 as well. I do think that both of these guys are going to be hit around a little bit. Both of these bullpens have been up and down so far this year, so we're going to be taking the Twins on the money line to go along with this total over. 96 970 on the banking board. The Houston Astros are going to be playing against the LA Angels. Shohei Otani is going to be going for the Angels, and this is a New York Post play of the day, by the way. Meanwhile, Lance McCullers Jr. is going to be going for the Houston Astros. Astros are finding themselves anywhere between minus 135 and minus 145 favorites. Meanwhile, with the Angels, anywhere between plus 120 and plus 130, your total on game is between 8 and 8.5. On the 8.5, unders juice of minus 120, the overs even. On the 8, your overs anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120, the unders anywhere between even a minus 110. New York Post play of the day. 
Moneyline here of the Houston Astros. I do recognize that the Angels are 3-1 and one in Shoyo Otani's start so far this year, but he's registering over 9 walks per 9 innings. This is very, very intriguing that he's got a 241 ERA. It feels like it should be so much higher. He has been able to get 30 punch outs so far this year, but he's going up against a Houston Astros lineup that they are not going to show any mercy at all. You take a look at it. Michael Brantley, Jordan Alvarez, Alex Bregman, Yoli Gurriel, all in above a 300 for the team. Jose Altuve, more like a 285-ish. So these guys have been solid. Now the bottom of it with guys like Jason Castro, Martin Maldonado, Miles Straw, Kyle Tucker. They need to pick it up. But Carlos Correa giving you a little bit of something as well. And for the Angels, they've been able to do a good job with their power numbers as well. You've got a couple guys that don't necessarily have for power in Daniel Fletcher along with Jose Iglesias. Both in that 270 range of Iglesias seems to be going with a little bit of an ailment. But you take a look at the power that you're getting out of Justin Upton. Batting average is not there, but he's been able to give this team seven home runs so far this year. Mike Trout, nearly a 500 on base. Jared Walsh, he's hitting well above a 330. He's been able to give you six home runs. Joey Otani himself, 10 bombs so far this season. So he has been absolutely tremendous with that regard. What's not been tremendous is the bullpen of the LA Angels. You've got a bunch in which has a bullpen ERA that is in the bottom five of the big leagues. Rossi Iglesias, I believe, is a very overrated reliever. You've also got Junior Guerra who wound up getting used up yesterday. CC check. Someone that should be able to come out of the bullpen. Aaron Slager, Tony Watson, these guys have been a little bit banged up this year. And Patrick Sandoval is right now your long guy. Meanwhile, for the Astros, bullpen is not necessarily tremendous with the team either. Brooks Raley and Long Thryon. Presley, our guys are relatively solid, but Rayleigh wound up having to be used once again yesterday. And then you take a look at some of the other guys. I just don't necessarily trust in Ryan Stanek personally, but I do think that McCullers and his home and road splits are worth noting. Right around a 275 ERA at home, he has been dominant north of a 4-6 ERA on the road. So he is someone that he pitches so much better than Houston, which is why I am going to be taking the money line here of the Houston Astros as the New York Post play of the day. And when it comes to this total, I do feel like this is set a little bit too low as well. The Angels have been one the top over teams out there in the American League, along with the Houston Astros. They've actually been in the top two with that regard so much, so set this total closer to nine. Going to be taking it over and the New York Post play of the day, Astros Moneyline. 971-972 on the bank board. The San Francisco Yantes are going to be playing host to the Walker Texas Rangers. Jordan Lyles is on the bump for the Rangers. Meanwhile, Logan Webb is going to be going for the Giants. Your total on this game, 7.5 to 8. On the 7.5, you're finding that over at minus 115. The under is minus 105. Seeing this right, 8.5 as well. On the 8.5, under is minus 120. The over is even, and if you're looking at the 8, over is anywhere between minus 120 and minus 105. Meanwhile, the under is anywhere between even and minus 115. If you're looking at the Giants, you're going to be finding them anywhere between minus 145 and minus 155. Meanwhile, your plus price here with Texas is anywhere between plus 130 and plus 140. I just am not necessarily the biggest fan of Jordan Lyles out there, which is why I would need north of plus 150 to be taking a shot on them. I'm going to be taking a look at the San Francisco Giants in some form or capacity. Now, with Logan Webb, he has been far from stellar throughout his career. He seems like he does get into an issue in which he does draw a couple too many walks, but with that said, 32 innings so far this year. The 14 walks are tough, but it's only giving up three home runs. He's going up against the Texas Rangers team that they've been able to do a solid job of being able to play runs on the road, right around five of them, but they wind up bringing back Chris with AK Davis. I just think that he's never really going to be able to find it. Jonah Heim is someone that's not been able to do a great job at the catcher spot. Jose Trevino is someone I have a little bit more faith in. Now you've got quite a few guys at the top lineup doing a solid job. Nick Solak, Nate Lowe, 
Odelius Garcia, along with Isaiah Kinnear Falefa, going between a 270 and a 295, entering into the game yesterday. Now, Joey Gallo hitting right in the neighborhood of a 225, but a 375 on base has been solid in for the Giants. They haven't necessarily been able to get a lot outside of Buster Posey, who's hitting a 395 with a 471 on base. That is absolutely amazing. Now, Evan Longoria is hitting a 275. Mike Dockman has been relatively solid, but past that, you've got guys like Brandon Crawford, Wilmer Flores, when he's out there, Mike Ustromsky, list goes on and on of guys hitting a 230 or lower, but for the Giants, Bullpen has been relatively solid. Even someone like a Comilio Duval, who has been called up from the alternate side, he's been able to give you something. Jarlin Garcia has not necessarily been terrific, but it seems like he's been able to find a little bit more of something. Sam Selman is someone I do like him for the Texas Rangers. This is one of the bottom bullpens out there in the big leagues as well. They've been using a lot of guys for multiple innings. We've noticed this with Brett DeGeis recently. I know that they've been doing a lot of this with Colby Allard. I don't have any faith in him whatsoever, and they're probably going to need to use a lot of long relief because for Jordan Lyles, 709 ERA and has given up 9 home runs and 33 innings. Good news is, San Francisco is a little bit more of a pitcher-friendly ballpark, but I just don't have any faith in him whatsoever. 44 has given up in 33 innings for a buck 64 whip. Doesn't necessarily walk a lot of guys, but I do think that the Giants are going to be able to make some hard contact. And if you're taking a look at the run line in this spot, I do think that this is something that you might want to be entertaining yourself with, because I'm seeing as good as a plus 145 here with the Giants. I'm going to reduce the juice. I'm going to wind up taking that run line, and when it comes to this total, I do think that it was set a little bit too low. I do recognize that this is a little bit more of a pitcher-friendly ballpark, but I just don't have faith in the Texas Rangers holding down the fort in this spot. I set the total at 8.3, so we're going to be taking it over, and we're going to be taking the Giants on the run line. 973, 974 on the betting board. You got the Cleveland Indians, and they're going to be playing with the Chicago Cubs. Ed Bear Alzole is going to be going for the Cubbies. Meanwhile, Shane Bieber Fever is on the bump for the Cleveland Indians. Your total on this game is 7. The under is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. The over is anywhere between even minus 110. If you're looking at the Windians, it is anywhere between minus 165 and minus 177 on them. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at Chicago, you're going to be finding them as high as a plus 161, as bad as a plus 145, and for Alzole, that's been interesting. He's been a highly talented prospect the last couple years. Had some good swing and miss stuff. Much like our good buddy Shane Bieber, who has been one of the best players with regards to strikeouts per nine innings, along with some of your obvious ones. Jacob DeGrom is up there. You've got Tyler Glass now, and for Bieber, getting to him. How about 77 punch-outs in 48 and a third inning so far this year? That's absolutely amazing. But for Alzole, 30 punch-outs in 26 innings is pretty solid as well. 0.88 whip, 4.50 ERA. That's because he's given up four home runs in 26 innings, but for the Cleveland Indians, this is a team that they don't necessarily generate a whole bunch of hard contact. Now, Framel Reyes along with Jose Ramirez both have a combined 17 home runs. Both of these guys have been solid with that regard. Both hitting between a 259 and a 271. But you take a look past that, you're not necessarily getting a lot. Cesar Hernandez along with Ahmed Rosario, Andres Jimenez, Jordan Luplo, Roberto Perez who has been banged up all year long, Jake Bowers, Yu Chang, Austin Edges. All these guys are hitting a 205 or lower. That is absolutely terrible. Now, you've been able to get Josh Naylor going, 265 batting average. He has a little bit of pop in the bat, but he only has two home runs so far this year. And for the Cleveland Indians, the bullpen has been lights out. James Karinczak is absolutely tremendous for this team. Emmanuel Clays has been able to give you some good innings. Even Brian Shaw is able to do a solid job, other than Nick Wicker, and these guys have been good. And for the Chicago Cubs, bullpen has been solid for this team. I really like what you're getting out of Craig Kimbrell. Even someone like Jason Adam has been able to come in, hold down the Fort Rex Brothers. Oh, brothers, this guy is relatively decent. Dylan Maples has been able to do a good job for you. And then with Chris Bryant, he's been able to pick it up. How about him being able to give you 9 home runs, 308 batting average, Javi Bias. Now he's at 255. Doesn't necessarily walk a lot, but he's able to give you something. He comes 
lineup that at the beginning of the year was absolutely terrible has been able to pick it up now. You've got a couple guys that they're not necessarily doing the world's greatest job with their batting average. Wilson Contreras, Anthony Rizzo, Jason Hayward, Jock Peterson, Eliermo Vargas. Let's go on and on of guys that are in below a 230, but a lot of these guys are doing a good job of walking. Matt Duffy has been able to give you right around a 290 batting average. Nico Horner, whenever he's been out there, he's been relatively solid. So it does leave you in an intriguing spot because no doubt the pitching is of the advantage of the Cleveland Indians. You just always have that fear that Shane Bieber might wind up losing like a 3-2 game because he has been giving up right around 1.2 home runs per 9 innings so far this season. I wound up saying them as a very sizable favorite though. I'm willing to lay on the money line up to about a minus 190 here with the Cleveland Indians. If you're looking at their run line, I'm seeing anywhere between a plus 120 and I'm seeing as high as a plus 130. With the Indians to take their run line, I was willing to take it as long as I was getting pretty much any sort of a plus price. So we're going to be taking that. Set this total at 7.1. So seeing unjuiced sevens, we're going to be taking it over to go along with the Indians run line. 975-976 on the bank board. The Baltimore Orioles hit the road to face off against the New York Metropolitans. Marcus Roman is going to be going for the Mets. Meanwhile, John Means is on the bump for the Orioles. Orioles are finding themselves as relatively sizable underdogs here. Anywhere between plus 125 and plus 135. Meanwhile, the Metropolitans are anywhere between minus 143 and minus 150. Your total on this game is 7. Under is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 130. That means that your over is as high as a plus 110, as bad as a minus 105. And it's always intriguing to see how guys will be able to bounce back after something like a no-hitter. I set the Orioles as a very slight favorite because with the Mets, this is a team that they are not hitting at all so far this year. Now, Pete Alonso has actually been able to do a relatively solid job of being able to get on base. 255 batting average, but his power numbers are down. He's got five home runs so far this year. Francisco Lindor has been a big, giant waste of money for this team. He's hitting a buck 94. James McCann is hitting a 210. Jonathan VR is hitting a 226. Kevin Pillar has actually been able to pick it up to be able to hit a 237 when his on base sinks. I mean, J.D. Davis, along with Brandon Nimmo, have really been your best two hitters so far this year, and they are both dealing with injuries. Albert Almora Jr. hitting a 0.56 is laughable. Meanwhile, you take a look at the Baltimore Orioles. It's not like the lineup is necessarily terrific, but Cedric Bones at the top of it has been good. 312 batting average, 375 on base. He's got a little bit of pop. Meanwhile, you take a look at Austin Hayes, Trey Boom Boom Mancini, and Pedro Severino. All these guys hitting between a 239 and a 255. All have relatively decent on bases aside from Severino. Now, Ryan Mountcastle's had a rough year so far, but he's now hitting a 232, which is good. Mikel Franco, Rio Ruiz, Pat Valleca, Ryan McKenna. List goes on and on, guys. Hitting a 215 or lower. Francisco could be thrown in there, but Freddie Galvis is back. He's hitting a 275 for this bunch, so you've been able to get something there. And for the Baltimore Orioles, bullpen has been very good. Cole Solzer going to be available in this game. Now, they did wind up using up Tanner Scott, Trey Lankins, and Cesar Valdez, but for means, he means business, ladies and gentlemen. How about a 137 ERA? He's given up right around a home run per nine innings. 50 punch outs. He's worked on that. 10 walks in 46 innings, and he delivers length. He has went north of six innings in each out of his last four starts off with Marcus Stroman. He has been tremendous as well. Three home runs given up in 34 innings, 212 ERA, so he's been able to hold down the fourth. He has been not necessarily giving you as much length, though. Five innings or fewer in each out of his previous three starts. That does not include, like, the random half an inning that he wanted pitching a few weeks ago. We throw that out of the full, but for Stroman, he's been good, but he's been giving it to you in short doses, and even though Jersich Familia has been better, I still don't have faith in him. Robbie Gazelman is someone I don't have faith in. Tommy Hunter, Aaron Loop. These guys have been solid so far this year. I think that there's going to be a little bit of a 
regression there, which is why I do have the Orioles as a slight favorite, so we're going to be taking that plus price. Wound up setting the total at 7.5 as well. So this is the spot in which I'm going to be taking the over, and I'm going to be taking the Orioles. 977-978 on the betting board, the Toronto, a.k.a. Dunedin, a.k.a. Buffalo Blue Jays, and the road to face off against the Atlanta Braves. Max Fried is going to be going for the Bravos. Meanwhile, you've got on the bump for the Toronto Blue Jays, Robbie Ray. Right now, I'm seeing this only at the Westgate and DraftKings, and I'm seeing a total of between 9 and 9.5. On the 9, the over is juice of minus 115. The under is minus 105. On the 9.5, under is minus 120. The over is even. If you're looking at the Atlanta Braves, finding them anywhere between minus 132 and minus 167. I have a feeling that we're seeing some strangers here due to strange circumstances. Meanwhile, with the Blue Jays, anywhere between plus 122 and plus 1. 43. I'm thinking that there might be a little bit of a pitching change here, according to the numbers that I'm seeing right now, as right now we are seeing this as the starting rotation, but with that said, here's what I'm going to be giving you with regards to my plays with Ray versus Freed. I want to make in the Braves a minus 128 favorite, so if we're seeing these plus prices with the Blue Jays like we're seeing with that plus 143, I'd be taking a look at that. Set this total at 9.4 as well, so on that 9 with over juice of minus 115, that's where I would personally be looking with Rob Robbie Ray, he has been walking a bunch of guys. That's just what Robbie Ray does. Nine walks in 28 two-thirds innings is actually not too bad for him. He's actually reined it in. A couple fewer swings and misses, but a little bit of better command. And for Max Freed, he wanted making a start a few days ago, as a matter of fact, on Wednesday. But with that said, he wanted a blast starting prior to that on April 13th. So it's been a little bit of a while for him. This is someone that he has been able to do a relatively solid job of being able to hold down the fort and keep the ball in the yard. But sometimes walks are a little bit of an issue with him. Now with the Atlanta Braves, this is a team that they've been able to do a solid job with their bullpen. I like what you're getting out of A.J. Minter. Will Smith has been able to do a great job of holding down the fort. Even a guy like Jacob Webb has been able to do a good job. Tyler Madzak had a little bit of a struggle, but it seems like he's back. Meanwhile, with the Blue Jays, top five bullpen ERA. Gotta love what you're getting out of so many of these guys. Jordan Romano, Joel Payampas, Tim Mazza, Travis Bergen. I even like what you're able to get out of Rafael Dolis. It seems like he might be on the injured list, unfortunately, but by and large, this is a team that they've been able to overcome injuries, including that to Julian Merriweather. And for the Toronto Blue Jays, it appears as though George Springer is injured once again, but we still have quite a few guys doing a good job of being able to get on base. Marcus Simeon, Bo Bichette, along to Oscar Hernandez, all guys with pop hitting between a 250 and a 270 flag, Guerrero Jr. 450 on base has been absolutely insane. Randall Grichik hitting nearly a 300. Now Kevon Biggio, Lords Goriel, Rowdy Tellez hitting between a buck 95 and a 206 is a little bit tough, but you've got pop in all of those bats. Meanwhile, you take a look at the Atlanta Braves. You love what you're getting out of Ronald Lacuna Jr. I mean, he's been able to give you a double-digit amount of home runs, 305 batting average. It looked like he had a little bit of an injury scare on Saturday. He is back in at full force. So, Freddie Freeman, even though he's hitting only a 217, a 352 on base, he has been able to give you nine home runs so far this year. Ozzy Albies hitting at 230. That's going to increase along with Marcel Ozuna's 201, but if you got Austin Riley hitting at 290 for this punch. William Contreras at the catcher spot. A little bit of a liability, but he's been able to do a solid job of being able to fill in for Travis Arnold. This is a spot that, like I said, I'm willing to lay up to a minus 127 here with the Braves, so anything above, I would say a plus 127 going to be a take on the Toronto Blue Jays. If you're winding up getting a 9 in this spot, I would be taking a look at the over as long as the juice is right in that minus 110, minus 115 area. If you wind up getting a 9.5 with that normalized juice, I will be taking a look at the under. And we wrap things up with 979, 980 on the betting board. The LA Dodgers are going to be playing us the Seattle Mariners. 
Yusei Kikuchi is going to be on the bump for the Mariners. Meanwhile, Walker Buehler is on the bump for the Dodgers. Drawing game, 7.5. Over and under. Anywhere between minus 105, minus 115. If you're looking at the Dodgers, and we're between minus 240 and minus 250. Meanwhile, your plus price here with the Seattle Mariners. Anywhere between plus $2 and plus 215. Now, I will say, I think that these prices were set with Justin Dunn as he projected, sir. I can't think that we're going to see too much deviation here with it now being Yusei Kikuchi. Because personally, I wanted to having this at plus 213 as needing me the number to take the Seattle Mariners in this spot with Dunn out there with Kukuchi. Pretty much anything above $2 is going to be a take in my opinion, so I will be on the Mariners as long as we don't see some sort of a quantum shift with the line, and I'm going to be taking a look at the over, because you take a look at Kikuchi throughout his career, about 64% of his starts have went over. Now with Kikuchi, he is someone that he does give up a little bit too much hard contact, but by and large, he has been able to do a solid job of being able to hold down the fort, and then when you take a look at the Dodgers, it seems like this is going to be an interesting ride for him, because there's a chance that Walker Buehler might get optioned back to Wednesday, and if this winds up happening, then you've got all calamity breaking loose with regards to what the Dodgers are going to be doing for a starter on Tuesday. But I will say this with the Dodgers. Bullpen ERA has not been terrific because they're completely banged up. You're looking to guys like Victor Gonzalez, Garrett Clevenger, even someone in Alex Vesia for innings. That is not necessarily what you want. Mitch White has not necessarily been too terrific. You do have a guy in Jimmy Nelson that has starter experience, but I just don't know how they're going to wind up utilizing him. Blake trying is someone that I do trust in, and then Kenley Jansen is Kenley Jansen. Meanwhile, take a look at the Seattle Mariners. Their bullpen has actually been relatively solid as well. You've got guys I really like, like a Rafael Montero, who's been solid so far this year. Will Vest has been able to give you some good innings. Your second rider has been able to do a good job along Kendall Graveman. And for the Mariners, it seems like Kyle Lewis is starting to pick it up for the team. He wanted to be getting the year on the injured list, wound up getting off to a bad start, but J.P. Crawford has been able to come around. He has been able to hit 270 for this bunch of Hanniger hitting right in the neighborhood of a 260 is nice along with his eight home runs. Kyle Seager, Ty France, these guys are able to consistently get on base. Now I will say, some of the guys at the bottom, like Adele Moore, Evan White, Taylor Trammell, even Sam Eggerty, Tom Murphy, these guys are all hitting below the Mendoza line of 200, but you've been able to get a little bit of a surge recently from the bottom of the lineup. And for the Dodgers, it's just been so inconsistent with this team. It seems like they're either going to give you 10 runs or they're going to give you two. There's no in-between. Justin Turner down for what has been the concept for the team. He's hitting well above a 300. Corey Seager has been able to do a solid job of being able to reach base. Mookie Betts has actually been a little bit more hit or miss than what you'd expect, but you know that he's going to be able to pick it up. Max Muncy has been a little bit of a disaster for the team. Gavin Lux has not necessarily been able to accelerate the way that we thought he was going to. Like I said, if it's Walker Beeler and you're getting like $2 on Kikuchi, it's going to be a take for me in this spot. If you wind up getting a Dodgers bullpen game, it is a little bit to be determined, so check back in the morning my Twitter feed at JarenScorty1 for our set plays there, but certainly going to be giving you some insights there, and I'm also going to be writing things up for the LA Times with this as well. And if you're interested in being able to subscribe to this fine podcast where I give you a sign total on every game every single day, you're able to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. You've got one of two ways to be able to find questions if you have them for this podcast. My Twitter timeline is first one at GNRSQuarty1. If you send these in via DM, the letters DM to Mimi does not matter, so do not fire in your questions, comments, segment ideas via that way, but always happy to answer them via the timeline, and then if you leave an Apple Podcast, if you rate this podcast five stars, you're able to send them in that way as well. Always appreciate Jason Rydowitz joining this podcast. He brought it in the second segment. I do hope that you're all doing well. I will be talking at you guys every single day throughout the MLB season, which means I'm back with you guys once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in.